Now, to the webinar. As mentioned, online with us tonight is Ted Jedniak. Ted has specialised exclusively in MSK therapies for the lower limb since 1996. He has created three manual therapies specialist clinics from 2002 uh, to 2012, and he retired from clinical practice in 2012 to focus on teaching manual therapies globally. In 2016, Ted sold all of his manual therapy clinics in Australia. And in their retirement, Ted and his lovely wife, Dr. Lil, continue to be trainers and mentors. But due to high demand, they are focusing on delivering excellent online trainings. Ted and Lil are currently preparing for a 12-month adventure, an Italian venture at that, aka Lil and Ted's Excellent Italian Adventure. We're fortunate to have Ted available for this webinar because they depart Australia next month. Please join me in welcoming Ted. Over to you, Ted. Oh, well, thank you very much, Annette, and thank you for uh, that uh, lovely introduction. Uh, and I want to say, Annette, thank you very much for arranging this webinar and for inviting me to present to all the Podiatry Association members. A uh, big welcome and thank you for committing your time and energy to your professional development. It's truly awesome having you here. I guarantee that this webinar will be the best webinar you attend this evening. So let's kick on. Um, you're about to discover the ideal steps to fixing plantar heel pains without expensive equipment or extensive retraining. Now, I've used the word ideal uh, it deliberately, and it's an acronym. And this is going to create, it's an acronym for the step-by-step blueprint so that you can be the leading plantar heel pain professional in your community. So IDEAL is the acronym for initial examination, diagnosis, exceptions, appraising, and long-term care. During this webinar, I'll explain each of the ideal steps so that you can fix heel pains with ease in your clinic. With this up-to-date information, you're perfectly situated to be the go-to leader in plantar heel pain. Now, before I press on, I'd like to ask you, have you ever experienced frustrations with diagnosing or treating plantar heel pains? Now, just to make a comment in uh, the uh, question box on the uh, left-hand side there, just so I can get an idea of uh, who has actually experienced any difficulties. Uh, and this way I can make sure I'm giving you the most relevant and useful content that you can apply immediately after this webinar. Um, oh, oh, yes. Okay, right. Uh, I can see the names just skimming through. Yeah, look, I can tell you globally it is a condition. We know it's a very common condition, but it's also a condition that does give a lot of practitioners some frustrations. Now, while uh, you're just getting uh, your answers in there, uh, let's have a look at this Facebook post just from last week, uh, posted by biomechanics guru Craig Payne. Now, it certainly generated a fair bit of discussion. Uh, the article under question uh, that uh, was it reported 50% of plantar fasciitis cases still have it after five years, and 45% still have it after 10 years. Craig's going, what the bleep? I mean, even placebo groups do better than that. And Craig, well, he's obviously switched on about what's going on in the research world. Craig's post certainly generate a lot of discussion, as it should have. It gives us, um, I suppose, uh, as a profession, gives us much to think about. In fact, uh, in the UK, there's a big movement in podiatry trying to overcome the problem of 
podiatry not being recognised as the leading profession to assess and treat plantar fasciitis. Uh, Ian Sadler, a podiatrist in the UK, he's about to launch a national plantar fascia event in Cambridge next month. Uh, Ian's key aim for the event is to make sure that every podiatry clinic in the country can confidently deal with plantar fasciitis and have the tools to shout about it. Now, in my experience, podiatrists aren't recognised as the leading profession for treating plantar heel pain conditions. So the problem isn't just limited to the UK, it's a problem globally. And part of the issue is the confidence that we podiatrists have in assessing and treating plantar heel pains. So I'm doubly thrilled that you're here at this webinar tonight to explore how you can get even better clinical outcomes on this important condition. Now, I really want to acknowledge you for that. Uh, in my own clinics, I've certainly had my fair share of frustrations with plantar heel pain patients. A part of the frustration came from the limited base of my university training. Now, which, I mean, it was given, you can see by this photo here, that uh, it was in the late 70s, early 80s, and it's probably pretty understandable that uh, the body of knowledge was somewhat limited there. But, you know, here we are now over 38 years later in 2018, and despite a plethora of studies and experiences, plantar heel pains remain a source of frustration for many podiatrists around the world. In this webinar, you're going to get the most current, up-to-date and relevant plantar heel pain content that cuts through the minefield of research, thoughts and opinions on this important topic. As podiatrists, our primary treatment intervention, it's usually orthotic therapy. The research conducted by some of the best brains in the podiatry world is focused on the efficacy of orthotic therapy as a treatment for plantar fasciitis. For example, uh, here are three key papers that suggest, at best, orthotic therapy results are probably moderate uh, as far as outcomes go for plantar fasciitis. Uh, from the uh, British Journal of Medicine of uh, the British Medical Journal, um, John Orchard, he concluded that although there is no strong evidence that orthotics are effective for all cases of plantar fasciitis. Analysis of pooled papers suggest moderate improvements. Cost effectiveness of uh, custom-made orthotics is not well established as they are moderately expensive and have been shown in trials to be superior to cheaper prefabricated orth orthotics. Um, Carl Landorf, known to many of you, I'm sure, uh, Landorf et al. showed that uh, custom-made orthotics and pre-form orthotics have similar effects in the treatment of plantar fasciitis at three months and 12 months of follow-up. Uh, medical studies um, that were published in foot and ankle surgery, uh, this is randomised head-to-head trials, they concluded that plastic orthotics are superior regarding pain reduction and pain-free time when compared to foam orthotics. And then there are studies that have been trialling um, plant, uh, the, the rich plasma treatment, uh, also the tension night splints, uh, the cortisone injections, and then there's shockwave therapies. Uh, and then, of course, uh, pet uh, field of mine, manual therapies and dry needling. Now, and all of this, this is all apart from just trying to isolate the key risk factors of plantar heel pains. 
<laughs> Heck, if you haven't gotten overwhelmed by the plethora of factors that we need to be on top of in the last two minutes, I'm impressed. I mean, keeping up with this ever-changing body of knowledge on plantar heel pains, it's a full-time job. And if you're working as a clinician, you just won't have the time to keep up with it all. And this is why this webinar is going to save you time and energy. Now, it's crucial to understand that there isn't a single silver bullet that's going to solve every plantar heel pain case that you face. Now, the evidence is very clear that single interventions don't usually work for a multifactorial condition like plantar heel pain. A multifactorial rehab approach to treating plantar heel pains is leading the evidence race currently. Now, it can get a bit overwhelming to think about uh, the condition in this way. Now, I know it took me some time to get my head around it. Now, when I first uh, stepped beyond using orthotic therapy to consider a multidisciplinary approach to treating plantar heel pains, I was a bit uncertain about you know, what to do for my patients and how to get better results. But you need to, I, I guess, the thing, if there's a message I wanted you to understand tonight is that you don't need to feel overwhelmed because... Look, I've done the hard yards for you, and you don't have to. In tonight's webinar, I'll lay out the multidisciplinary ideal steps for fixing plantar heel pains with ease. Think of this as a roadmap to your patient's plantar heel pain resolution. This roadmap will ensure that you don't miss a crucial key that might affect your treatment outcomes. And I've got some great news for you too. Tonight, I'm going to show you how up to 50% of your plantar heel pain patients can improve without even teaching, uh, without treating or touching the plantar fascia. Ha! Sound too good to be true? Well, when you see the full list of etiologies that can cause plantar heel pain and address the true cause of plantar heel pain, the trees will clear from the forest. I promise. So just to recap in tonight's webinar, this webinar on plantar heel pains, you're going to discover the historical and current thinking on plantar heel pains and why we won't be using the term plantar fasciitis. You'll see the ideal steps to assessing, diagnosing and treating plantar heel pains of the initial examination, the diagnosis, etiology exceptions, appraising tests and long-term care. Plus, I've got a special free gift for you, and this works brilliantly in determining whether the cause of your patient's plantar heel pain is mechanical tissue stress, multifactorial, neurological, or metabolic. It is the wildly useful plantar heel pain quiz, and you can use this on every patient you see immediately. I tell you, this alone will be worth your price of admission. The details of how you get hold of this exclusive free gift will be given at the end of the webinar. So please stay tuned. All right, ready to roll? Okay, let's move on. So the historical and current thinking on plantar heel pains. Now, in the early 1900s, all heel pains, wait till you hear this, referred to, they were commonly referred to as gonorrheal heels or lover's spurs, because it was thought that this was the just reward for sins of the flesh. Now, then as anatomical understandings improved, practitioners realized that it was the plantar fascia that was involved in these symptoms. Now, as pain was understood to be closely associated with inflammation of the involved structure, clinicians reasoned that the plantar fascia must be inflamed to be causing such pains. And that's how the term plantar fasciitis evolved. As we know, 
Itis means inflammation. So plantar fasciitis means inflammation of the plantar fascia. Well, the fact is, this just isn't the case. There is no evidence to support this notion of inflammation of the plantar fascia. Rather, the evidence tells us that it's the enthesis that causes our patients the grief. Now, enthesis is defined as the connective tissue between tendon or ligament and bone. It's important to appreciate that plantar fasciitis and plantar heel pains have a history of being poorly understood. Yet when I graduated from university in 1982, that term, plantar fasciitis, it was the term to use. And it has been right up into the early 2000s when histological and imaging evidence revealed that rarely is the plantar fascia inflamed. You see, as a relatively hypovascular structure, it's nigh on impossible for the plantar fascia to inflame. Now, there's a number of other terms used to describe plantar heel pain, such as painful heel spur syndrome, the heel spur syndrome, stone bruise, runner's heel. But these are all colloquial rather than descriptively accurate. And fair enough, they evolved using the best knowledge of the day. Then we have other conditions to differentiate from plantar heel pain, such as plantar fascial insertitis, calcaneal enthesopathy, subcalcaneal bursitis, calcaneal periostitis, neuritis, and calcaneodynia. Jeez, Louis. No wonder we can get a bit misled or confused with the correct terminology. But uh, those of you who know uh, Scott Waring from uh, the, uh, oh, jeez, I don't know where he is now. He's in the UK, I last heard, but from QUT. Um, the pathomechanics of plantar fasciitis is one of the best evidence-based sources of describing the histology of plantar heel pains. Even though the paper is titled The Pathomechanics of Plantar Fasciitis, it describes the changes in thinking in plantar heel pain pathomechanics. In particular, the anecdotal causal link of pes planus foot types and the lower limb biomechanics resulting in a lowered medial longitudinal arch. Now, the thinking has been that this uh, lowering of the arch created excessive tensile strain within the fascia, producing microscopic tears and chronic inflammation. However, contrary to clinical doctrine, histological evidence does not support this concept. So it doesn't support the idea that inflammation uh, will occur because of that tensile strain, because inflammation is rarely observed in chronic plantar fasciitis. So given that plantar fasciitis is not primarily inflammatory in nature, it therefore should be regarded as fasciopathy with the nomenclature of plantar heel pain. I mean, last year in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, there was an editorial piece published and it was titled, Is Plantar Heel Pain a More Appropriate Term Than Plantar Fasciitis? Time to Move On. Now, good to see that uh, this you know, article or this editorial was published in such a respected journal. But way back in 2003, good friend, uh, and podiatric nemesis, Barthold. He published this article, and that was Pain, Biomechanics, Presentation, and Treatment. Now, in this article, Simon clearly states the need to move from plantar fasciitis to plantar heel pain syndrome. Oh, how slowly the wheels have turned to get clarity on this condition. See, plantar heel pain is a critical condition to master because it is the most common MSK injury that presents to lower limb practitioners globally. Now, with the exception of trauma, it's the most frequent cause of chronic pain in the heel. 
15% of all adult foot complaints apply to heel pains, and the condition affects 10% of the general population. In the US alone, more than 1 million patient visits per year are for treatment of plantar heel pains. And there's a projected cost of in excess of $375 million per year to third-party payers such as health insurance companies. I mean, despite every man and his dog having advice or cures for plantar heel pains, there remains widespread debate on its etiology within the health professions. And there continues to be dissatisfied practitioners and patients due to the lack of reliable treatment outcomes. So let's move on to the current thinking. So we know the presence of heel spurs, like that's practically irrelevant. However, we now know that changes in the plantar fascia thickness are of much more importance. It's been reported that more than four millimeters of thickening of the plantar fascia in thesis, the part that attaches the fascia to the bone, is abnormal. The plantar fascia thickness can be readily measured via ultrasound. Now, ultrasound, it's an accurate, reliable, non-invasive imaging technique for assessing plantar fascia thickness. It's also good for monitoring the effects of different interventions and for guiding therapeutic interventions in patients with uh, plantar fascia syndrome. The other important thing to be mindful of is that the plantar fascia may have significant sensory capacity. As we understand more about the fascial networks of the body, there's growing evidence to support this thinking. Uh, current science, uh, it uh, supports the role of arch mechanics with plantar fascial stresses, but the evidence is somewhat ambiguous because this, there's a real difficulty in measuring arch mechanics in vivo. You know, there are other hypotheses, though. Um, the other hypotheses proposed, proposed for plantar heel pains include uh, stress shielding, vascular and metabolic disturbances, free radical formation, hypothermia, and genetic factors. But here's the important thing. If you only take away one point from all this uh, uh, information, and that is all of these hypotheses are linked to degenerative changes in connective tissues. That's the common theme. So not that we have an overview, of, I guess now that we have an overview of what the current thinking is, let's keep in mind as we dive into the first of the ideal steps, which I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, webinar. Now, remember how I said IDEAL was an acronym outlining the steps to assess and treat plantar heel pains? Great. So I stands for the initial examination. Okay, so there are five key categories to address in your initial examination. And they are, one, the key questions you must ask to assist in your diagnosis. Two, the essential neurological clinical tests. Three, the biomechanical tests for mechanical tissue stress, plantar heel pains. Four, the functional tests for mechanical tissue stress, plantar heel pains. And five, palpation examinations. So let's start with the key questions you must ask. Now, I believe that a, a primary source of clinical frustrations that we experience in uh, treating plantar heel pains comes from not nailing your patient's diagnosis accurately. Uh, due to the fact that well, the onset, the intensity, and the duration of plantar heel pains can vary so widely. 
We need a way to be able to drill down and isolate the true pathology your patient is suffering from. The first distinction we need to make is whether your patient's plantar heel pain is musculoskeletal in origin, or if it's a due to a neurologic or systemic or metabolic cause. How do we do this? Well, we do it by asking your patient in the initial consultation a series of seven crucial questions. Now, they don't take very long, but each question is vital to ask. To save you time and energy, I'm going to give you these questions in a simple PDF download at the end of this webinar. These questions are tried and tested. Uh, now they're worth their weight in gold. You'll also find out how to score your patient's answers and how to interpret the scores. As a result, you'll be able to categorize the most likely etiology for plantar heel pain as being mechanical, neurological, systemic, uh, metabolic, or multifactorial. And you know what? Doing the quiz, it's almost as much fun as doing a Cosmo quiz. And just as easy. Well, maybe I shouldn't have revealed that. Okay, so this is my gift that's going to be available for you at the end of this webinar. Uh, let me know with a yes if you think that list of questions is going to be useful. Just put your answers in the, in the chat box on the left-hand side, and I'll whip my whistle. Oh, thumbs up. Beautiful. Oh, here we come. Look at that. Nice. Yes, of course. Thank you, indeed. Oh, I like the looks of those happy thumbs up and smiles. Okay, so next we're going to uh, rock into the essential neurological clinical tests. And they are the straight leg raise and the slump test. Now, these are highly reliable, valid and specific tests that will help you determine if the cause of your patient's plantar heel pain is coming from a spinal radiculopathy or other neuro or spinal issue. Next, the biomechanical tests. These are the tests for mechanical tissue stress plantar heel pains. And they are, firstly, gait analysis, foot posture index, supination resistance, and the lunge test. Hey, if you use the lunge test in your clinic, please type in a yes, because I've got a tremendous revelation to tell you about. Uh, this lunge test, it's a simple test, but there are some important distinctions with it. Okay, I'm seeing a ton of yeses, whys. Thanks, Franco. Cool. All right. Good. It's a really useful test. Just last weekend, I did a full-day workshop on patellofemoral pain syndrome, so anterior knee pain, and this was with a manipulative physio, Ben Corso. Now, he included the lunge test as part of his assessments for patellofemoral pain syndrome. In his demo, Ben pointed out six different ways that patients can cheat when doing the lunge test. Now, this immediately affects your results and your ability to use them for comparison reviews in the future. I mean, the whole room of 48 podiatrists were going, what the? You mean I've been missing all those crucial distinctions all this time? Look, there's a heap to remember. In fact, we could do a full webinar just on the lunch test. Yes, it's a simple test, but like any master, Ben was able to highlight the significant one percenters that make a huge difference to your results and your diagnosis, especially for plantar heel pains. So if you use the lunge test, and I can see a lot of yeses on the screen here, getting it right is really important. 
Okay, then there's the functional tests for mechanical tissue stress plantar heel pains. And they are the Taylor congruence test. Now, this is a test developed specifically for those practitioners using foot mobilization therapies. As you know, the talus is so important in plantar heel pains because it sits directly on top of the calcaneus. Uh, next is uh, Jack's test. And then there's Windlass tests for the lesser digits. And then we have the palpation tests. And the palpation tests are of the plantar fascia in thesis, the plantar fascia bands, the plantar fat pad, the medial calcaneal nerve, bone injury tests, and retrocalcaneal tests. So now we've outlined the five key categories in your initial consultation, and there were 22 steps in total. Whoa. I mean, we could spend a whole webinar just on the initial consultation alone, but our time doesn't permit. So let's move on to step two, the initial diagnosis of this is the step two of the ideal steps, the diagnosis. Now, there are three categories of enthesopathy diagnosis, and they are neurologic, skeletal, and soft tissue. So let's start with the neurologic etiologies. They are nerve entrapment, lumbar or sacral radiculopathy, which are disc herniations, uh, spondyloarthropathies, spinal tumors, which are pretty rare. Uh, and then next we've got the skeletal etiologies, and they are the acute calcaneal fracture, calcaneal pophysitis, calcaneal stress fractures, calcaneal tumors, and systemic arthritis. And the third category of enthesopathy diagnoses are soft tissue etiologies. Now, this will help you with your clinical differentials for plantar heel pain. And they are Achilles tendonitis, heel contusions, pet fat pad atrophy, plantar fascia rupture, post-tip tendonitis, uh, retrocalcaneal bursitis, enthesopathies, and tumors. <sighs> Have you ever felt confused by one of these clinical differentials? Well, if you have, I'm going to just get, uh, we're going to conduct a poll here and I'm going to ask you to fill in your response. Have you ever confused one of these skeletal differentials? Uh, just pick yes, no, maybe, uh, and uh, we'll see uh, what uh, the score, see what the worm tells us here. Okay, so... Yeses are uh, currently winning at uh, 62, 61, 62%. Maybes are at 36%. And uh, we've got 3% uh, in the no. I like it. I'm impressed uh, that uh, there are some fine practitioners uh, operating and responding there. Good work. Okay. So, um, well... That uh, gives us some useful information. Now what we're going to do is go to step three of the ideal steps for plantar heel pains, which is the etiology exceptions. Now this is a reasonably extensive medical list of atypical etiologies that can cause plantar heel pains. Firstly, they include systemic diseases. You'll see a whole bunch of them here from rheumatoid arthritis, tuberculosis, uh, writer oh, syndrome. This is one, if you're going to remember one of these, remember this. If you have a male under 40 years of age with bilateral heel pain, 
get your radar revved up here. The writer syndrome is a systemic disease that uh, typically presents in those in that category. Uh, inflammatory bowel disease is also another important one we've got to watch out for. Heck, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis. And then we've got the neoplastic benign category. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of uh, cysts and osteomas uh, that can form uh, that are part of the atypical etiologies that can contribute to heel pain. Then we have the malignant neoplastic conditions. So uh, tumors, sarcomas, uh, and uh, Ewing sarcoma feature here. And then there's the metabolic disorders. Uh, the metabolic disorders of osteomalacia and Paget's disease, hyperparathyroidism, and we've got uh, our neurological disorders. So Baxter's nerve uh, entrapment, that's going to be really relevant to us, as is medial calcaneal nerve entrapment. Uh, tarsal tunnel syndrome and S1 radiculopathy are important uh, conditions. Oh, we can see we've got quite a, an extensive list here in the number of systemic and neurological conditions that can have plantar heel pain occur. Now, it's likely that the neurological conditions are the ones that you'll encounter in your clinic. I suggest using this list for those patients that don't immediately fit into the more common biomechanically based uh, plantar heel pain patients. If you think it'd be useful to have a checklist of all of these systemic conditions. Now, I'm just going to uh, get some uh, direct feedback here um, because it was, it's an idea that I've had. Just like, There's a ton of conditions there. If you think it would be useful to have a list of all those systemic conditions, uh, then if you think that's going to serve you, just put in a yes, and uh, look, I'll be happy to get one made up for you. Um, I don't have it uh, just yet, but I can certainly put that uh, down. Great. Um, all right, so that's uh, this poll is scoring in 98% uh, is a yes, and a couple maybe unsure. But um, okay, overall, great. Look, I'll get this done. Uh, Annette, I'm going to ask you to uh, just make a note for me uh, to um, send me an email, send me a reminder to do this uh, so that because I know you're really good at keeping people accountable. That will serve me, and I'll make sure we get this uh, to those bods, those pod bods. Okay, terrific. Thank you for your contributions and uh, thank you for your feedback there. Okay, let us uh, progress. Now it's time for step four of the ideal steps for plantar heel pain, the appraising tests. Now, you need to become crystal clear on the most effective treatment option to relieve your patient's plantar heel pain so you can be confident with the longer-term treatment service you're going to provide or recommend. It's this step that puts your diagnosis to the test in the real world. This step is it's essentially undertaking a trial treatment to confirm your diagnosis and your subsequent treatment plan. So that way you can proceed confidently. The appraisal or trial treatment options are about assessing your patient using padding methods, strapping methods, stretching methods, orthotic options, mobilization techniques, and fascial release techniques. Now, fascial release techniques are, are an option that uh, most podiatrists don't have a lot of experience with. Uh, look, uh, just let me know. If you have experience with fascial release treatments, just type in a yes or a no if you don't have any experience with um, fascial release treatments. 
Yes, no, yes, no. In fact, uh, yes, should probably have done a poll here. Yes, no. Got a mix. Oh, now it's more no's that are scrolling through. I see. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's uh, certainly been my experience with uh, podiatrists in general around the world. Okay. If you're wondering, well, what the heck are facial release techniques? Uh, let me uh, just give you a little bit of uh, insight. Facial release uh, techniques are based on the work done primarily by physical therapists and physiotherapists such as uh, Tom Myers, uh, the Steckos uh, in Italy, uh, Logmani in the US. Um, we've also got uh, Roman uh, Langvine. Uh, it's done some great work on the uh, histobiology of what happens in fascia. So this is just a, a small sample of uh, some of the uh, leading um, researchers and practitioners of fascial release techniques. So the key concept to, to understand with fascial release is the anatomy of myofascial networks in the body. But, uh, in simple terms, uh, this is it's, it's the field of anatomy trains that really explores this in considerable depth. Uh, to put it simply, think of a bag of oranges, you know, one of those plastic net bags, if you pull on the bottom of the bag, what will happen is it will affect the other parts of the bag and pretty much affects the whole structure in some way. And it's this same type of phenomenon that occurs with the fascial networks of the body. But this is so useful to understand because there's an anatomy train referred to as the superficial back line. Now, it runs from the sole of the foot, literally from the hallux, through the plantar fascia, behind the calf and hamstring, crosses over the spine and inserts right up into the cranium. Now, clinically, it's been demonstrated that fascial densities, also known as uh, uh, trigger points, uh, fascial adhesions, fascial restrictions, when you get those fascial densities in the calf, hamstring and glutes, once they're released, they can relieve plantar heel pains. You see, by understanding my facial densities rather than the heel structure, this helps us understand why calf stretches and dry needling those trigger points in the gastrocs, why they help so many plantar heel pain cases. Well, it's the, the latest leading theory or principle is about fascial release. Now, all up fascial release techniques are a great treatment trial to do because up to 50% of plantar heel pains improve by a measurable amount symptomatically after just one treatment of the calf or hamstrings. Um, I'm going to uh, just put another poll to you right now and that is do you do treatment trials before you recommend a treatment plan for your patients? So if you do, put in a yes. Um, if you don't, uh, just say no. We've got a few sometimes happening. Okay. Okay, so you definitely got yeses uh, or leading the way 59, 60%, sometimes 33%, no at 9%. Okay. Those who have put in no, I'm coming after you. I'm getting your email address and I'm going to come and jump on you because this is, if you only take one thing away from tonight, this idea of doing a treatment trial to really get some uh, real world feedback from your patient, from what you're dealing with to help confirm your diagnosis. I think it's, uh, 
uh, an essential part of how to look after your patients with plantar heel pain. Okay, hey, thank you for your answers and responses there. That's great. Okay, so once uh, you've found a treatment trial that has helped your patient measurably, so you've done a treatment trial, whichever one of those options you choose, you've chosen, and it's helped, now you can proceed confidently into step five of the ideal steps, which is the long-term care. Now, this is the step where you select and deliver the optimum treatment option for your plantar heel pain patient. Now, there are three tiers of treatment options in the current evidence base, and they are one, tier one is the list of treatment options to use for your plantar heel pain patient from the outset. Tier two is the list of options to use if your tier one treatments have not been successful. And tier three, this is the list of options to use if your tier two treatments have not been successful. The tier one evidence-based treatment options include anti-inflammatory treatments, corticosteroid injections, weight loss for high body mass index patients, padding, strapping, stretching, strengthening, mobilizations, and myofascial treatments. Plus, in Tier 1, there are the patient-directed treatments. In other words, homework that your patients need to do. These include the plantar foot and calf stretches, uh, footwear recommendations, ice anti-inflammatory therapies, and activity modifications. Now, the list of treatment options in Tier 2 treatments are night splints, Subsequent corticosteroid injections, customized orthotic devices, FNT with tool-assisted fascial release, uh, immobilization by cast or moon boots, and activity modifications or limits. Then there's tier three treatment options. Now, it needs to be stated here that the evidence for tier three treatments is less strong and, you know, maybe even quite poor in some cases. This might be because uh, you know, the evidence or the mechanism of action is not yet well understood. Uh, the list of treatment options in Tier th- 3 treatments are uh, the shockwave uh, treatment options, uh, Botox, uh, PRP injections, and surgery. So there you have it, dear colleague, the ideal steps to fix plantar heel pains without expensive equipment or extensive retraining. Uh, Tonight, you discovered the ideal steps to follow so that you can be the leading plantar heel pain professional in your community. In this webinar, we began with the historical and current thinking on plantar heel pains so that we could appreciate the complexities of this important condition. Then we explored the ideal steps to assessing, diagnosing, and treating plantar heel pains of the initial examination, diagnosis, etiology exceptions, the appraising tests, and long-term care. (laughs) Pretty extensive blueprint, isn't it? (laughs) Heck, no wonder there's still such a level of controversy and dissatisfaction with plantar heel pain diagnosis and treatments with plantar heel pain professionals and patients alike. Look, this blueprint is a distillation of the most current, up-to-date, relevant materials on plantar heel pain that cuts through the minefield of research, thoughts, and opinions on this important topic. If this overview of the ideal steps has been useful to you, please type in a yes so I know where we're all at so far. While you're doing that, I will just wet my whistle.
And that was, again, in the background, if you, you didn't manage to hear that. Okay, streaming yeses. Wonderful. Okay, so now I promised you a special free gift that works brilliantly in determining whether the cause of your patient's plantar heel pain is mechanical tissue stress, multifactorial, neurological, or metabolic. It is the wildly useful plantar heel pain quiz. This is a clear one-page PDF that you can download that has the key questions to ask your plantar heel pain patients, how to rate their responses, and how to interpret the results score your patient gets, and then you'll know if your patient's heel pain is due to mechanical tissue stress, is it multifactorial, or is it neurological or metabolic in its etiology? Now, you're going to receive a link to download this free PDF from Annette, uh, which will be coming in the follow-up tomorrow. Oh, Annette, I might be putting you on the spot right, right now, I think. Um, or you can go right now to plantaheelpain.com and you're going to meet, download it immediately. If you have any questions that you would like me to help you with, you can also email us at help at plantaheelpain.com. All right, Annette, <laughs> shall we take some questions? Look, I know your time uh, is limited, and um, let's see if we can get some questions answered. Um, Thanks, Ted. That was fantastic. Yes, let's have a look at some of the questions that uh, that we've been getting asked throughout the evening. And people, f please feel free to ask Ted some questions.